0: evening. Um, I missed my wavy eyes and sleepy mood. I still have to complete this before I go to bed and I promise it's going to be interesting even as boring as the course may seem to be. My name is Babajide Mubarak and I'll be taking you to SOS 514. So SOS 514 deals with land use management, and the first thing we need to do is define what land is. If you have to, des- uh, you have to define land by physical aspect, it means the part of earth that is not covered by water an area of the earth's surface including all elements of the um, of the physical and biological environment that influences land use. On another hand, the definition of land can be subjective which means that in relation to ownership, demarcation or the way it is used because any portion large or small of the earth's surface, considered by itself maybe it's belonging to an individual people family country estate that is also known as land uh, i get one land for that's being subjective and according to foul <laughs> well according to foul the food organization whatever it may be land can be defined okay let's before we get there land can be defined in relation to ownership like i've said demarcation or use as any portion large or small of surface of the earth that is considered by itself and you can also define land according to natural quality i've given three i said physical i said subjectiveness and I said nature or quality. So, nature or quality, you define land maybe as an upland, a lowland, a value land, steep land, marginal land, wetland, whatever type of land you may choose to call it. And that takes us to um, land use. The management of land to meet specific socio-economic objectives that is land use when you manage land or you use a land to meet a particular social or economic objective and land use is described by the purposes for which the land is used which the land is committed and the types and sequence of development, conservation, environmental management activities carried out upon the land. So anything you do upon your land is referred to as the land use in as much as it's meeting socio-economic objectives. So, <clears throat> it refers to the purpose which land is committed, I've said that, and to the production of goods as you are land to produce crop timber or manufacture some products and also services like recreation biodiversity natural resource protection like the game reserve and all of that and some land uses such as cropping have a, a characteristic land cover pattern and join us in the next segment to know what land cover and some other definitions of uh, land characteristics. See you in the next segment. <laughs> up, a, a land cover. Now, what is land cover? Land cover is simply what you observe, the biophysical cover and earth surface that you can observe and this includes the native vegetation, the soil, the exposed rock or the rock outcrops, water bodies like your lake and all, then plantations, crops and built environments like schools, churches and all of that. The capacity to measure and report the change and trend in land cover is critical to planning land use. So, the change in all of this, as both drug, vegetation, soils, plantation, and all of this, is critical to land use planning. And that brings us to land management practices which means the means by which land management objective is achieved like how you use the land what are the practices you use on the land now you want to use your land for farming we have accepted your land use is agriculture now how do you use the land how do you uh, what practices are you observing that's land management practice. Some land management practice uh, such as waste disposal probably in the I mean most likely in the urban setting. We have tillage that's in the rural or urban where your farm is or anything. And We move to land tenure and under land tenure, land tenure is simply the form of an interest in land the form of an interest like what form of interest do you have for the land is it pastoral is it for mining is it that you want to conserve nature uh relate directly to land use and land management land tenure or something like maybe on the lagos island you want to go and buy land in Lekki, and all there's a particular interest you have maybe why you want to stay amongst the so, the form of interest you have in land is, um, some example I've given, maybe pastoral, uh, all those kind of stuff, that's land, tenure So, <clears throat> we move again to land resources. These are all the characteristics of, uh, various, um, attributes or terms in land so that we have to define and you have to know. Land resources are the resources of the land like climate, water, soy, forest, pasture. You can be asked to list land resources and I guess you know what to write when that comes out. Then we also define land degradation when there's a decline reduction or loss of biological or economic productivity of your land maybe your land is rainfed do probably it is irrigated do probably it is it for range and pastoral probably it is a forest or woodland in as much as there's a loss of economic productivity then we can conclude and say it is land degradation and land degradation usually results from the unsustainable land use. And unsustainable land use means the land use management practices that we are doing are not sustainable. They kill the land gradually. So <clears throat> I was telling you about FAO, like one of our colleagues who say FAO, uh, how they define land. And they define land as a delineable area which means a marked out area that encompasses of all the attributes of biosphere all living entity immediately above or below the earth's surface all of this including the soil, terrain surface hydrology the near surface climate, sediment and associated groundwater reserve, the biological resources as well as human settlement pattern resulting from human activities is land. may be asked to define land according to FAO and it's simply a delineable area that encompasses of the biosphere, immediately above or below the Earth's surface and you can now tell them what it includes, it includes the soil, um, you can just put component of land not to scatter the soil, climate, water, vegetation, and human activities and all of that. So this was defined by FAO in 1992. If you look at the definition of land holistically, like as a whole. Uh, the unit of land has a vertical component and an horizontal component. The vertical component from the atmosphere cut across to the aquifers, the deep ground under- um, underground water and horizontally we say repetitive sequence of soil, terrain and land use element. but <clears throat> if you are asked, to tell us about the components of land Uh, we have the soil we have vegetation we have climate we have animals we have road networks we have topography we have water all of these are component of land i'll go again soil vegetation climate animals road networks topography and water some questions might arise from all of this, and <clears throat> they can ask you to discuss, i mean—discuss climate, animal, water, any of these components of land that I've mentioned. They can ask you to discuss their component, how they, how they, uh, um, how they, uh, how they are component of land. Let me just say that. I discuss climate as a component of land. What will you see? Hmm. They can ask you to dis- uh, discuss the relationship between climate and land cover. I can ask you to mention five different land cover types that you know and ask to discuss the importance of road networking, urban use, and you can also even enumerate the advantages of vegetation as component of the land (sighs) i might not be able to answer all of this during this podcast but if you have any personal questions you can kindly dm me then we move to treating soil as a component of land see you in the next segment as we move on Come Belanguli Omo Babaji Day Timu Baji Gumbria Fumi log Bon ye I did the jig bad yeah Amoye Wali Mola de Dejig Badiello Amo Wale So welcome back soil as a component of land a core component of land resources for majorly agricultural development and the ecosystem sustainability is the soil and it is the basis for food feed fuel fiber production and for many critical ecosystem services the natural area of productive soil is limited so the pressure on the limited land is increasing therefore there's competition for uh, cropping, forestry, pasture, urbanization. There's, co- and there's this competition that is amongst all of these because of um, <clears throat> the productive soil is limited and to satisfy the demands of growing population in terms of food and energy production, the soil is a very very key player in making this um, a reality. As we have land degradation, we also have soil degradation and soil degradation is caused by unsustainable land use and management practices and also not just that, climate extremes that result from various social, economic and governance drivers. What is the global context of land use? Humans make use of land they inhabit to a degree unmatched by any other species, meaning that humans are the ones that use the land most and land represents about 29% of the earth's surface, the remaining being covered by water. The use to which this land is put, which we always define as land use, it varies considerably from place to place and for example in the u.s land is more or less equally divided among maybe forestry crops pasture built-up areas but if you go to the democratic republic of congo 75 percent of land is forested why only 10 percent is devoted to cropping and pasture <laughs> usable land is especially <clears throat> precious commodity in some countries due to constraints imposed by geography, population density, climate, and other factors. These are factors that you know impose some kind of constraints to land use. Population density, geography, climate, and other factors. For example, in the Netherlands, they have to reclaim some part of the sea so as to increase the amount of land available for economic use. Also in Japan, most of their population is crowded around the narrow coastal plains Which means that their engineers have to create additional land by filling bays and harbors. The land area available for human use are becoming more threatening Which means we have to manage the small that we have So that the future people too can use it (coughs) future future people our children and there are some even uh, natural disasters like flood, earthquakes, tsunamis, even the sea level is rising so we are constantly, I mean consistently on fire. <coughs> in Bangladesh, I don't think all of this is important but you just need to have a small idea of global context of land use because in most countries increasing pressure to use the land for economic development is leading to fights. that's why you see countries fighting over land so <clears throat> um farmland wetlands, or land close to the city may even be sought by a developer to convert them into suburbs motorways, and all will be that if you or law umbo large and all those kind of things we claim civilization we are going hungry gradually we don't know conservationists too may also resist efforts to replace natural forests with tree plantations ranches or farms developing countries are particularly often faced with a dilemma developing countries like nigeria because mm-hmm. their need for money leads them to liquidate their forest assets modify their savannas to obtain cash crop for export and yet they must conserve this same ecosystem to guarantee resources for the future. This brings us to sustainable land management, join us in the next segment as we ride on. Welcome back. I'm on the way. We live Look, my This is 333. Any anyway, which is sustainable land management. Land provides an environment for agricultural production, but it is also essential an essential condition for improved environmental management because the soil is not just for, um, the land is not just for agriculture production. It's also serves as a source and sink for greenhouse gases, recycle nutrients, amelioration of filtering of pollutant, and transmission of purification as part of the hydrologic cycle. So for all this function to uh, be carried out effectively, the soil has to be in good condition or the land has to be in good state. So, practices that we do on the land must not impair all of these other functions that the soil has been, you know, proven to us. And the objective for sustainable land management is to harmonize complementary goals of providing both environmental and economical, including social opportunities, for the benefit of present and future generation. So, you have to understand that sustainable land is not just for the present, it's also for the future. And during all of this, we have to maintain and enhance the quality of the land. And when I say land, I mean soil, water, and air. <coughs> so, what is the definition of sustainable land management itself sustainable land management is the use of land to meet the changing human needs agriculture forestry conservation those are human needs while ensuring long-term socio-economic and ecological functions of the land land management is quite boring but we have to pass it what is the purpose of sustainable land management the first one is. For productivity. Second is stability and resilience. Third is protection. Fourth is viability. And fifth is acceptability and (coughs) equity. Those are the purposes of sustainable land management. Now there's a relationship among soil quality, land quality, and sustainable land management. Sorry, excuse me. Soil quality is the capacity of a specific soil to function within natural or managed ecosystem boundaries, to sustain plant and animal production, maintain or enhance water quality, and support human health and habitation. But what is now land <coughs> quality? Land quality is the condition, state or health of the land relating to humans requirements, including agricultural production, forestry, and conservation management. Sustainable land management, on the other hand, as we have defined, it combines technologies, policies, activities aimed at integrating socio-economy principle with environmental concerns so as to simultaneously, which means at the same time, maintain or enhance production, reduce level of production risk, protect the potential resources we have, prevent soil and water degradation, and be economically viable and socially acceptable. Um, I don't think all of this is that um, disturbing but what you should know about the relationship between soil quality, land quality and sustainable land management is that soil quality is the condition of a site and you can study it using soil data alone. Land quality requires integration of the soil data with other biophysical information like the climate, geology, water and all of that so soil quality is relating to soil land is bringing in water air and other resources then sustainable land management now requires the integration of this land quality with economic and social demand now soil quality soil land quality bringing water air and all of that then sustainable land management is now using all of this combined to Meat, social and economic demands and it involves assessment of impact of human habitation and condition of sustainable development remote to land use for food production i just got the break up so we not go tired she better cargo but this <laughs> now I want to used for food production. I want to talk about food production, includes crop production, animal rearing, civic culture, which is the cultivation of tree crops, and aquaculture, the cultivation of aquatic uh, life and land use for food production definitely involve land clearing and you also change or modify the land cover and this has an effect on land environment as well because fertilizers may be washed into rivers cause pollution, by reducing quality of water affecting aquatic lives. About 11% of the Earth's total available land area is occupied by farmland. And the amount of land given over to farming varies greatly from country to country. 77% in Barbados and 60% in Denmark, whereas it is as low as 0.2% of the total land area in Oman that is used for farming. As the southwest Middle East. Well, land use for agricultural purposes is lowest in the arid countries like southwest Asia. The variability of land use for agricultural purposes vary from place to place due to some factors like climate, culture, physiographic nature of the land, population pressure, and soil quality. Let's now centralize to land use for food production in Nigeria. Nigeria is endowed with vast land of resources and about 9% of our total land area is not used. 35 is devoted to arable and permanent pastures and 31% is for potential agricultural use. The pattern of land use for farming tends to vary with the distance from large centers. A pattern described by German economist Johann Heinrich von Thunen in 1826. The bastard that is stressing me now, that Heinrich von Thunen, I'm sure he's dead. Any which is, uh, it feels that with increasing distance from the center, the farms become larger because a farm that is in the center of the city, they tend to raise intensive crop and those type of crop that command high market price. But as they go farther from the city, the farms become larger and the crops such as wheat, corn and other grains are more extensive. Although improvements in transportation and refrigeration have permitted that we depart from that bastard's um, model, von Tunens model of rural land use, but it is still considered to underpin patterns of farming today. Discourse each of this course, type of question. Now, transportation and refrigeration have permitted that we don't need to go far. We don't need to have far farmlands before we can crop some kind of intensive cropping and all of that even if the farming are far transportation is there already and even if the goods are easily perishable refrigeration is there too so we should actually cultivate in far areas and all but this is asking us to discuss that why is that model not still fit or is still um, is still working in Nigeria today. Uh, you can send a DM if you want me to share my own ideology. It's quite long, and I wouldn't want this to be taking our time. So we move to soil quality management for agricultural land use. Um, let's do that on here. Sustainable land management practices are those that improve soil productivity, water quality and other soil benefits. And The key soil quality practices are Enhance organic matter, avoid excessive tillage, manage pests and nutrients efficiently, prevent soil compaction, keep the ground covered, diversify cropping systems. Then we move to rural and urban land use management. Urban and rural land use management differ in focus due to differences in land use and challenges involved. Rural land use is mainly for agricultural production. Land use in urban and peri-urban areas are mainly for developmental purposes residential industrial commercial education all of that has to be set up in urban area and all of this is not does not matter in rural because it's mainly for agricultural production so we move to urban land use management in the next um, segment please stay with us Don't get tired, it's the last lab, we're going to be there soon. Welcome back and we will be looking at urban land use management. Land use management challenges in the urban areas include drainage, road management, waste management and of concern to us is waste management. Waste management is an essential aspect of urban land use and management, especially as waste contributes majorly to the problems associated with improper land use approach. Waste is referred to as something that is unwanted and unusable. And when you dispose something off in plain sight, that action is called litter. You are littering. Literally in the place, but when waste is deliberately left somewhere to avoid its management or disposal cost it is known as dumped waste, and where it is left is known as waste dump. You can be asked to differentiate dump waste and waste dump. Waste dump is a noun and it's a place where waste is dumped. Dumped waste is an action, a verb that means you dump waste on a waste dump. So <coughs> we can classify waste to their physical nature, chemical nature, inorganic waste sources, physical nature in terms of solid, semi-solid, liquid or gaseous, chemical waste in terms of organic waste containing carbon, maybe like paper, plastic, food waste and all of that, then inorganic waste such as glass, sand, dust, any synthetic product; uh, they are not composed of plant or animal matter. Then we have sources. We can classify waste according to their sources. Maybe domestic, municipal, industrial, clinical, electronical, and all of that. So. <clears throat> sorry i don't know what's wrong with my voice but we still move on why do we need to manage waste in the urban um settlement these are some fact. only 25 to 55 percent of all waste generated in large city is collected by municipal authorities which means it's collected by all those people and more than five million people die each year from a disease Related to inadequate waste disposal system. And solid waste disposal was among their biggest environmental concerns. More than half of the world's municipal waste, municipal simply means solid waste, is generated in developed countries. More than 90% of the world's annual total toxic and hazardous waste are from chemical and petrochemical industries. More than 80,000 tons of irradiated fuel and hundreds of thousands of tons of other radioactive waste have accumulated from commercial generation of electricity from nuclear power. Please note just a few of these facts, so you might be need to explain the need for ground waste management. Irradiated fuel can take hundreds of thousands of years to decay into harmless substance. So. How do we now approach uh, waste management? The first thing you have to do is actually waste minimization, which is a methodology, methodology that is used to achieve waste reduction through reduction from the source, like the beginning of production, but also anything including recycling and even reuse of the material. And some of the main benefits of this waste minimization is Improved bottom line through improved process efficiency, reduced burden on the environment with improved public image and compliance with legislation. The integrated waste management IWM the approach is to reduce, reuse, and recycle waste. And this brings us to a waste management hierarchy. The first and most preferred is you reduce waste. Then secondly you reuse them. Thirdly, you recycle waste. Fourthly, you resource like you recover them or resource recovery. And lastly, you can dispose. Integrated waste solid waste management is a set of plans to manage waste which is adopted by many governments and also a means to achieve um, sustainability. So why do we have to manage waste? Just to save resources and energy, reduce water and air pollution, save land fuel spaces, and we need to know that waste is subjective because it is not a cradle-to-grave design, it is a cradle-to-cradle design. What is waste to somebody is a resource to another person. And we'll start with reduction, source reduction, which is the most preferred method to prevent the generation of waste in the first place. So manufacturers can decrease their materials, energy used during manufacturing and distribution. And consumers can purchase items with minimal packaging so as to avoid much products that you'll be you know disposing in their backyards if they are doing backyard composting why the reuse is the next to our uh, reduction and reuse is majorly pro- prolonging the product usable life repairing items selling them or donating them rather than disposing using durable rather than disposable item is even preferring and it's preferable to cycling because the item does not need to be collected and reprocessed. The item just needs to be used for a long period of time. Then we move to recycling. Recycling is taking a product at the end of its useful life and using all parts of it to make another product. And the benefit of this is that it saves energy, natural resources and all of that and it requires collection. Processing, remanufacturing, and purchase. The extended producer. um, Okay, that's not that's not that, but I guess we have an idea of what recycling is. And when we talk about resource recovery, which is the fourth on the hierarchy, it's when waste is burnt to produce energy, and this is preferred to landfilling which is part of the last waste disposal type which reduces bulk municipal waste to ashes and produces energy but the side effect is that some items might be difficult to burn and there are some strict regulatory restrictions and high environmental and economic cost to this last but not the least is now disposing waste after you have gone through this four process you cannot dispose and (coughs) can dispose probably by ocean dumping, open dumping, um, landfills, and many more like that. So that brings us to the end of um, urban land use management. We have looked at waste. So now we move to the next thing, landscape. Join us in the next segment so you can know what landscape is. The final um, part of the HOD's part is Landscape, before we move to Mr. is part. And what is a Landscape, Landscape is simply an area that is spatially heterogeneous in at least one factor of interest, heterogeneous means different spatially means space, so an area that's with space they are different in at least one factor of interest, so what are this landscape uh, characteristics. Uh, what are the things they must have before you call them a landscape? Firstly, they must have a spatial arrangement. Secondly, they must have interaction among diverse landscape components. Thirdly, they must result landscape processes. And <clears throat> what are the characteristics of landscape? We have five. Firstly, cluster of ecosystem types. Secondly, flows of interaction among the ecosystem of the cluster, thirdly geomorphology and climate, fourthly the set of disturbance regime and fifthly (laughs) if there's anything like that, the relative abundance of ecosystem within a cluster. Now all of this might be disturbing but I think as time goes on we will understand what landscape is. Distinguishing features of a landscape. Landscape has components units cultivation, vegetation, hills, valley, and also spatial arrangement of all of those components I've mentioned earlier. And we can distinguish land use on um, landscape based on landforms, form of disturbance, landscape processes, scale of concentration, and a number to tell. If we are to distinguish landscape based on landform simply means that there must be a characteristic shape that can include large features like plain, plateau, mountains and valleys and all of that. And some landscape on based on land are mountain, flat, coastal, delta. And we can also do it based on disturbance regime which is human influence. Maybe some parts that are undeveloped. Some parts are forest and agriculture. Some parts have even been urbanized. Urbanized, probably some parts have been designed landscaped, which means we have built them up or they are natural or maybe they are modified. Then we have the type of landscape based on spatial arrangement. And landscape based on spatial arrangement could be scattered patch network. Interdigitated or checkerboards. Just need to know the stems. So, what is landscape management? Landscape management is simply important in both urban and rural environments. Though there are professionals working in planning, designing, creation, and management of these spaces, land management involves planning, design, creation, and management of spaces to meet their specific uses. Thank you very much. Please refer to your notes for some information, and this will help you read across too, and help you speed up. Thank you very much, as we move to Mr. Tobori's part. Remote sensing, photograph, uh, photogrammetry, modeling, mapping, database, GIS, and all of that. So see you in the next segment. Alright, so welcome to Mr. Tobori's part, which is the GIS system. And for GIS system it's a broad sense um, where GIS system requires both hardware, software, and people to function. Hardware in terms of laptops and all of that, and software in terms of like ArcMap, QGIS, others, um, Imagine, and R Studio. All of that are softwares, and people, or the people in this contest, are GIS analysts like me and you. <clears throat> what is GIS science? I mean GI science geography information science this is um, a scientific field that attempts to integrate different disciplines studying the methods and techniques of handling spatial information and the applications of this GIS is the means by which all of these different disciplines makes use of the GIS software to solve spatial problems or challenge (sighs) there are a lot of um people maybe like the agriculturist um urban planner hydrological engineer and natural hazard analyst all of these people use gis to um, get certain information so from there we move to mapping What is a map? A map can be considered as a geospatial information system that gives answers to many questions concerning an area. And The term map is used in many areas of science as a synonym for model of what it represents. This also refers to a miniature which means something small, a miniature representation of the real world or a form of scientific visualisation and this graphical representation that we call a map at a certain level has details and it is also determined by a scale. So there is no map or well, a map is meaningless without a scale, even if it has all the contents in the world. Now, what is a map scale? The usefulness of a map depends not only on its content because it also depends on the scale and the scale is the ratio between the distance on the map and the corresponding distance in the terrain on the floor. Distance in the map on paper, corresponding distance to how much distance is on the land. So, <clears throat> um, then there's a confusion. When they say some, a map has a small scale, it means that it is covering a very large area. And when a la- um, land has a large scale, it means it's covering a very small area area. Please don't do that mistake. Now we move to model and modeling. And modeling is a term that is used in many different ways and has many different meanings. A representation of some part of the real world can be considered as a model. example of a model is what? A map. And we have types of map. We have the paper map or the digital map. The model is a representation of numbers of phenomena that we can observe in reality, usually to enable some type of study. Modeling is also referred to as data modeling and the common name for the design effort of is structuring the database which takes us to the next segment where we'll be discussing database. Stay with us and yours ever delivering. <laughs> <laughs> so Pa the database database database. Anyways, the database is a repository for storing large amounts of data and it comes with a number of useful functions. The database can be used by multiple users simultaneously at the same time and it allows concurrent use like you can use it anytime, any day, anywhere. It offers a, of t- a number of techniques for storing data and allows the use for most efficient ones. A database allows the imposition of rules on the stored data which means it supports data integrity. And a database offers an easy to use data manipulation language. So <clears throat> uh, that's just um, simple stuff on database, just immediately for storing data. Which brings us to land information system. We have done geographical information system. Now land information system LIS. An information system may be formally defined as a combination of technical resources together with a set of organizing proje- procedures that produce information and support in some managerial requirement. Data relating to land may be um, acquired in an alphanumeric form. Probably it is written in notebooks and all of that or it is represented graphically and LIS can therefore be defined as you know system which gives support to land management by providing informative I mean information about land. So <coughs> we have some categories of this LIS. We have LIS gives us environmental information, it gives us infrastructural information, it gives us cadastral information and it also gives us socioeconomic um, information. So there are some charts here that explain the flow of how LIS works. Uh, you might need to visit your node to get that. In the next um, segment, will be talking about remote sensing and photogrammetry. So let's move ahead don't get tired, it's about to go down. probably the next one will be the last time you get ciao ciao so let's start with the history of photogrammetry. photograph was officially born in 1839 and photogrammetry was majorly born for architectural surveys and that was first considered as the remote sensing technology. The term remote sensing is often used instead of photogrammetry. Today it is in synergy with photogrammetry, although it is still associated rather with image interpretation. What is um, photograph and photogrammetry? Photogrammetry is the science and technology of obtaining relatable, I mean reliable information about physical objects and the environment through the process of recording, measuring, and interpreting photographic images, patterns of electromagnetic gradient imagery and other phenomena photogrammetry can also be defined as the metric interpretation of image data when we're talking about photogrammetry we're just talking about interpretation of image data and there are three colors major color of photogrammetry we have the hue chroma and value the uh chroma is for saturation which means the purity of the color the hue is distinctness among different colors based on their wavelength, why the value is simply the intensity or the brightness of the color. Those are the three major colors of photogrammetry. There's something we call area photography and there are types of area photography due to some factors like the camera lens, the spectral sensitivity, the scale on which the photograph was taken and the axis at which the photograph was taken and <clears throat> area photogrammetry is also referred to an airborne imagery and this is the process of taking photograph from an aircraft or any flying object and some of the things we use are rockets we use pigeon early we use balloons we use um, some aircraft or helicopters as well Then (coughs) we talk about types of photogrammetry. Uh, We have the close-range photogrammetry. We have the area photogrammetry. But the close-range photogrammetry is that the objects are taken at less than one thousand feet away, and collection can be both by both ground or (sighs) area-based. This is boring, Shibi. Let's go to Remote Sensing. Remote Sensing is the science of analyzing objects from the radiation, the um, reflect and we have two types of remote sensing. We have the active and passive remote sensing. The active remote sensing operates with their own source of light, so it directs signal to the object and then it checks the response. But the passive one takes sunlight as its own source of light. So soil light incidents the ray. Then it is reflected back to the remote sensor. So <clears throat> and we go to traditional versus digital photograph uh, photogrammetry. Uh, I don't think this is important disadvantage of digital photogrammetry is that the software designing is expensive and complex the advantage of the digital is that it has high radiometric resolution, quicker availability, reproduction identical to original, possibility to be inserted and all of that but major part you need to focus on is firstly the HDD's part which carries the major part of this, and you can just add this as bonuses. I advise you understand remote sensing very, very well, understand data, modeling, map, and also GIS very well. See you when we see you. If you ask any question, if you have any question, you know where to find me. Le Chicos, Le Chicos, by now, you go. Wood-double.